Hi there. You're about to listen to the Michael Files podcast. I'm your host, Michael Doherty. I'm a blogger, a podcaster, and author of a unique interpretation of the I Ching. Because of my bizarre childhood, I needed answers, and I investigated teachings both Western and Eastern until I found answers that worked for me. In these podcasts, and in my writings and my blogs, I want to share some of those insights with you in the hope that they will be of help to you in navigating this strange thing called life. You may find ideas and insights that will help you on your journey. So, on to today's episode. Hi, this is Mike Doherty again, continuing my series of podcasts on how to be happy. Now, because of my long life and my wide range of fairly bizarre experiences, my best friend suggested that I might have some insights to offer other people. And she recently asked me to share some of those insights by answering some questions. And the first question she asked was, why are we here? I told her that this was a biggie and that it contained all the other questions about our lives and how we live them. And I asked her to think of a more specific question. So, after some thought, she said, Why do we suffer? I thought about this, and I realised it might be better if I answered it from my own perspective. So the question became, Why do I suffer? So here goes. To begin to answer this, we must be aware that there are two words here that need defining. The first word is suffer. What do we mean by suffer? And the second word is, who is this I that is doing the suffering? I must clarify that I'm not talking here about pain. I'm not talking about physical suffering. And we mustn't confuse suffering with pain. Pain is neither good nor bad, even though we usually judge it to be bad. It's neutral. It's a signal from the body that an imbalance exists, which needs our attention. So where does suffering come from? It comes from the fact that as we are self-aware, aware that we exist, we tend to think about the future. If we feel a pain in our bodies, we may start to worry that it could be a sign of something more serious. And so there is fear. And generally it's this fear that is the suffering. It's a psychological reaction to the pain. If we could just be in the present moment and not project into the future and just accept that there is pain, then there'd be no suffering. The suffering is caused by the never-ending treadmill of thinking that goes on in our minds. The endless what-ifs. If we could quiet our minds and stop the flow of thoughts, we could be aware that pain exists without the psychological suffering that thinking causes. Animals seem to accept what is. If they're in pain or discomfort, 
they appear to just accept it. If an animal is in pain, it will usually find a safe, concealed place to lie down, to curl up, and just wait until things change. But it's not the same waiting as when we wait, in anticipation of some future action. It's just being in the present moment. I remember I used to live in the southwest of England on a, on a place called Dartmoor, which used to suffer from pretty severe weather in the winters. And there were some horse-type creatures, Dartmoor ponies that lived on the moor. And when the weather was bad, I used to observe that they would just stand together in a little group with their back, backsides facing into the wind. And they just stood there. They didn't appear to be suffering. They didn't appear to be having any psychological what-ifs, what may the future hold. They just stood there until things changed. They accepted without judgment. Because all suffering is caused by judgment. If we judge any experience to be bad, we suffer. If we can accept what is without judging it to be good or bad, then our suffering ceases, because again, we are just experiencing the flow of life. Secondly, there is also the suffering caused by our unwillingness to accept that change is inevitable. Now, the ego, who we think we are, doesn't live in the present moment. It's a product of our experiences and memories. It cannot tolerate uncertainty or the unknown. And that's exactly what the future is. It wants to know what is going to happen and when, and so it tries to control the future. And it fails. It tries to move towards comfort and away from discomfort. In fact, it believes that it has the power to control the future in such a way as to eliminate discomfort. To only experience comfort. It fails to realize that comfort and discomfort are the two ends of the same stick. And that whatever is will change into its opposite. That nothing lasts. We cannot achieve anything that lasts even when we are, in quotes, happy, there is always an underlying awareness that it won't last. Even when we're successful, we are always aware that it's not permanent. Even if we're wealthy, there's always the concern that we might lose our wealth. And so the ego has to come up with ways of protecting it. There are many, many wealthy people who live in gated communities around the world. Now actually, however comfortable their homes may be within this gated community, where they've got iron railings around the site, guarded by guards who are frequently armed, particularly in the USA, but they're in prison. It may be a very comfortable prison, but they're still in prison. And many people who are very wealthy live in fear fear of losing their wealth, 
fear of other people trying to steal their wealth, if you like, fear of competitors in whatever business or industry they're involved in. Thirdly, the ego is always aware of the certainty of death, over which it has absolutely no control. In fact, all suffering is caused by fear. And the greatest fear we have is the fear of death. Now this may be physical death. It may be the death of the personality. Because the ego is very fearful of you, the real you, being able to convince you that you're an illusion. That you don't actually exist. That in the present moment you don't exist. Because you're, you're built on the past. You're built of past memories. And everything you do is about controlling the future. Suffering is caused by our unwillingness to accept what is, by our wanting things to be different. If you think about it a minute, that is utterly crazy. There is what is, the situation you're in, can only cause you suffering. Because until things change, that is what is. Now you may have an idea in your mind of how you would like it to be different, and that is fine. The problem comes when your happiness depends upon it being different. If we can accept things the way they are, we can avoid suffering. Now, this doesn't mean being fatalistic, just sitting there and letting the world go by. We can still have desires and ambitions and goals. They're not the problem. It's the attachment to the outcome of our desires and ambitions and goals that causes the suffering. It's the I'll be happy when syndrome again. This is the main characteristic of future-oriented people, which is most of us a lot of the time. The problem here is that the future-oriented person cannot experience this moment, which is the only moment you can experience anything. This future-oriented person always has a goal. But when that goal is achieved, a new goal takes its place. This personality type is never at peace with what is. It's always looking to the future to bring peace. But peace is in the journey, not the destination, not the goal. It boils down to this. If you can't be at peace now, if you can't be happy now, whatever your circumstances, you will never be at peace. You will never be happy. You will never be free from suffering. The second question that occurred at the beginning of this talk was, who or what is this I that suffers? This is a very important part of the question and is fundamental to our understanding of suffering. Because if we can't identify this I, if we can't demonstrate that it exists, then we would have to accept that suffering is not real, that it's an illusion. I know that's mind-blowing, and you probably think it's crazy, and that I'm crazy. You won't be the first or the last. But let's just inquire and see where this might lead. Each one of us feels that we're the center of the universe, that there is a me 
and that there is everything else. That I am a separate being contained within a bag of skin. We intuitively feel that there is a me, the observer. That there is everything else, the objects of observation. And that there is the process of observing. Three separate things. There's the observer, that's me. There's what we're observing, that's out there. And there's this process of actually observing. Three things. But what if that's not true? What if there's only one thing? What if everything is a part of one whole? My bag of skin and bones is not separate from everything else. It relies on everything else in order to survive. We're told that the very air you're breathing was in the lungs of a Chinese person probably about 48 hours ago. That some of the atoms of the air that you're breathing were in the lungs of Hitler, Jesus and everyone else at one time. Just consider the meal on your table. Think about the number of people who were involved in getting that food to your table. From the people who planted and harvested the food, the farmers who raised the livestock, the pickers, the packers, the drivers, the sailors, the pilots, the wholesalers, the retailers, the shop workers, the list just goes on and on. We are totally dependent on thousands, if not tens of thousands of other people for everything we have in life. We are interdependent with the whole of humanity and with the plant and animal kingdoms. But this is just the physical side of things. What if we are connected at every level? Physical, mental, psychological, even spiritual. But that's another topic. So that we can begin to search for this I that suffers, we must examine the ego and inquire if it has any basis in reality. The question we have to investigate is, who am I? But who's asking the question? I'll leave that with you. I wish you well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Microfiles podcast. I hope it has been of help to you. If it has been of use, I would really appreciate feedback. You can find out more about me and what I do on my website, themichaelfiles.com, and you can search for The Microfiles on social media. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now, and I wish you well.